Welcome back to our Monday edition of the Craven and Blazak experience. Sadly, we weren't with you Friday night because I was out of town and hey, stuff happens, but we're back again now. And I am not doing this show by myself. So, <laughs> Anyway, we are back. We will be with you uh, as planned tonight, Wednesday night, and Friday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, that is our schedule. I don't know how we messed that or how I messed that up in the first week of us doing this, but we will be here this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 o'clock. If you missed an episode, you can go on to your streaming services at the Craven and Blazak Experience, rewatch an episode, or catch up on one you have missed. Uh, and these well, are getting, just so our listeners know what's going on, We're these are getting posted essentially like the next morning. Right. They are, they are usually posted the next morning, if not the night before. Gotcha. It just Great. depends on the day, and you, so, you, you can see it by the next morning So if you check. So if you're listening to us right now on the radio, it's a Monday. If you're checking out the, uh, the podcast, it's, it, it could be a Monday, but it's probably a Tuesday as you're checking out this episode for most of you. That is correct. Check it out if you have a chance. To start today off, I think the only way to start it out is the NBA Finals. We obviously missed covering Game 5, but Game 5 was incredible. and Best game of the series. Game 6 was just as good. Yep. Excuse me. Game 4 was incredible, and Game I, 5 was just as good. I game didn't, six I didn't be, even catch your, <laughs> your slip. Right game there. 6 will be tomorrow night. I, to Tuesday catch up, night, yeah. To catch up on Game 4, I, that was a do-or-die game for the Bucks. it seemed like. Yep. And they ended up winning it, and then they went into Game 5, and they absolutely just... I, they made the Suns look like an unexperienced team up until the last... the fourth quarter, where they made it a game. But the books, Excuse me. The Bucks look like a championship team right now, and I think most people were doubting them... When they made it into the finals, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think no, many people had confidence in them. No, I mean I think Phoenix, not the overwhelming favorite, but I mean I think people thought Phoenix was the better team. I think people thought the Western Conference was the better conference of the two, and and so yeah, I think people expected Phoenix to come out on top, especially after the first two games of the series, where Phoenix looked so much better than Milwaukee. But since then, all the Bucks have done is blow out Phoenix in Game 3, have a fantastic fourth-quarter comeback to sort of kill the Suns' mindset to a certain extent in Game 4, and then their best game, and by they I mean the Bucks, their, their best game of the entire postseason in, in Game 5. Over the weekend, so here they are, up three to two, back at home Tuesday night. I mean, they are now. This is this is what you play the entire season to get to. At home, if you win, you're the world champions for the first time in fifty years. I think what's crazy is they've won three straight. I did I, not see that coming. Yeah, it's. I don't know how to put it, but. Drew Holiday also has won them the last two games. The steal in Game 4 and the steal in Game 5 that cemented both wins. And I feel like everybody gives Drew Holiday just this 
awful time and he's this big name, but he can never perform in clutch moments. Here are his moments. They just won, or he just won Milwaukee games four and five to put the Bucks up three to two. His defense and Chris Middleton's offense have been, in my opinion, the two deciding factors in the last two games that Milwaukee has won. Giannis has been fantastic from start to finish. I mean, even in game one of the series where the Bucks got blown out, he was still good. He scored 40 points in game two. <laughs> Again, a Bucks defeat, but Giannis has done what we expect Giannis to do on both ends of the court. But Middleton and Holiday, to me, have been the differences in these last three Bucks victories. And maybe we'll see how it plays out Tuesday. And if there is a game seven after game seven, I mean, they, they might be the reason why Milwaukee wins this thing because the stars on both. I mean, Giannis has been great. Devin Booker has been great. Chris Paul has been good. I mean, the, the stars have essentially, and, and by the stars, I mean like the headlining stars, they've all done essentially what we thought they would do in this series, but the complementary pieces from Milwaukee have been better than in the last three games than the Phoenix bench or not even the bench, but like, you know, starters three, four and five, you know, Aiton and those guys for Phoenix have not been nearly as good as the, um, as the other pieces for Milwaukee. And that's been the difference so far. And you just mentioned 40 point games. Is there a trend to this series? You, I, I know you and I have recognized this, but if anyone else is, when someone has a 40-point game, that team seems to be losing. Giannis <laughs> lost games one and two. Devin Booker lost uh, three and four. Excuse me, four and five. I don't remember if he had a 30-point game in game three. Well, game, game three is in Middleton. Had a 40-point game. You're right, they both but, had 40-point games. But, and the Bucks won that one. Correct. Yeah. So... I, the trend to me looks like if someone's scoring 40 unless both teams do, I, you're losing it. And this is a great example, I think, of, you know, it's really not so much how much is your star giving you. It's how much are your starters, all five of them, giving you. And in the last three ball games, Phoenix, one through five, has just simply not gotten the same production from the starting five that, that, that they did in games one and two, whereas Milwaukee has upped their game. Middleton, Holiday, Pat Cotton. Uh, am I saying his name right? I always, I always feel like I say his name wrong every time. It just, it just never flows off my tongue very well. But uh, Connaughton has had huge moments in these last three games for Milwaukee. So I think it's a great example of, you know, you know what's better, your star giving you. 40 and 10 or your top three guys, but you know, I mean, it's it's simple math, right? You want your top three guys to be giving you in the NBA finals, you know, ideally you'd want about 90 points combined from your top three or four starters. And, and Phoenix is just not getting that from their top five guys here down the stretch. Booker, is sometimes I think he, he feels like he has to score 40 because some of the other guys are, are just not pitching in offensively what 
what they're expected to do. And then and then Milwaukee has looked like the the stronger team. I mean, actually physically stronger, more stamina down the stretch. Phoenix has has sort of wilted in the fourth quarters these last couple of ball games. If the Bucks do close out this series tomorrow night, who is the MVP of the finals? That's a great question. Because Giannis has played incredible. Chris Middleton has played incredible. And Drew Holiday's defense just is unmatchable right now. Yeah. So, I'm not saying that Drew Holiday should win this, but he is a big factor in two of the wins for the Bucs in this series so far. It's so, kind of, I mean, it's kind of like one of those earlier Warriors championship runs, and and the years, you you know, you'll have to forgive me. The years all all kind of run together for me because the Warriors and and um, and the Cavs played in so many of those series in in back to back years. But one of the earliest Warriors championship runs, you know. Andre Iguodala was not one of the stars of that team, but he ends up being the difference in the series to win the whole thing and ends up being MVP of the series. Not Steph. You know, <laughs> you know so, it, you know, it was, it, so that, it wouldn't shock me if you see, a Drew, you know, a, a Drew Holiday uh, MVP chant coming around in uh, in Milwaukee on on Tuesday night, if they are able to close things out, can you imagine how the the, the scene in that city, Milwaukee, will go crazy and rightfully so. Yes, uh, I look forward to seeing it. If, I mean, if you're a Bucks fan, ESPN has you favored at a 57.8 percent chance to win Game Six. I, those odds are pretty good. I, I yeah. know it's not much above 50%, but it's better than being below 50%. Because if you're below 50%, that means you're not favored. And being the favorite's kind of, it can hurt you. Is that how it works? <laughs> it, it, it can hurt you from time to time, but I, in my opinion, I think if Milwaukee doesn't close it out tonight, I do not think they're winning Game 7 in Phoenix. That's the only thing, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a Bucks fan, the only thing that worries me is... Now the pressure is back on. Yes, the the Bucks have all the momentum, but now there's also some pressure on them. Phoenix is facing the most pressure because they're facing elimination. But in the back of Milwaukee's mind has to be that thought that if we don't win tonight, you know, this is our chance. We're at home. We've got, you know, the you know, the the police have all of downtown blocked off in case there's a, you know, a huge celebration you know they they got the champagne ready to wheel into the locker room you know all those things start creeping into the back of your mind if you're a normal person and um and so you you gotta be thinking if we don't get it done tonight what then happens on the road in in game seven so it'll be very interesting to see the mindsets of these two teams who have never been here before. I mean, none of the individual players on either team has ever played for an NBA championship. I think I also think it's very interesting that Giannis has won the MVP the past two seasons, but the year he didn't win it, he's in the position to win the finals. And Chris Paul has his historic career in the NBA 
And we all thought, or I know at least I thought, when they went up game, went up two games to nothing, that the series was over. Boy, was I wrong. And now Chris Paul is on the verge of maybe never winning an NBA championship. I hate to say that, but we got to look at the facts. You know, he's he's 36 years old. He's 36. The the good news is for him. Now, obviously, don't write, you know, the uh, the eulogy just yet because they they could come back and win on Tuesday and and go back home and win Game Seven and and the Chris Paul is able to claim that he's you know a champion from now to eternity. But even if Phoenix can't get it done this year, I mean, they're in a good spot as a franchise, and and. I don't see. I don't know all the details of his contract, but I don't see a scenario where Phoenix would not try to bring him back for one more season. You know, at, at, at least one more season. He he has not had significant injuries at all this year, um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm still rooting for Chris Paul, but I've enjoyed watching both these teams play. It's been refreshing. And I think the NBA needed this. You know, they needed some fresh blood. I mean, we all love watching LeBron. You know, we all... I shouldn't say we all. I don't want to speak for everybody. I still love watching the greatness that is LeBron James. Uh, His movie may not be very good, but his play on the court is still exceptional. You know, I still enjoy watching when the Warriors were at full strength. I enjoyed watching them. Even with KD, when I know they were not a very likable team, they were still so much fun to watch because it was great basketball. But I think the NBA needed this. Two fan bases starving for a championship, ready to just go crazy. Um, and then and then two teams where, like I said, no one individually has played for a championship at this level before. So fresh teams, fresh faces, uh, energetic fan bases. I think the NBA in this, you know, one step toward returning to normalcy, fully normal, hopefully by next year, this was something that, that, that the NBA needed, I think. I think they needed it too. I was, I was getting very tired of watching LeBron James in the finals, but (laughs) you are right though. It is nice to see a change in pace of teams. It is. Uh, It's good to see these young players, get into the finals now. Because, I, I mean, these are the guys we're going to be watching for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, both so, of these teams have... I mean, I, I get it. You know, I mean, Giannis is not getting any younger. You know, you know, but he, he's still in the prime of his career. But he's not he's not a young guy anymore. Chris Paul, the veteran, is uh, is getting on up there. But Devin Booker is still very much... You 24 know, years old, and this is what this kid's doing. Moss Point, Mississippi. Stand up. Anyway, Game 3 will be uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Central Time. I don't know why the finals are so late this yes, year. but thank you. You're a young guy. So I was going to say, can I, can I give you like my old man rant Let's hear it. of the show? We got, why, are we, why are we not tipping off until like 8, 10 Central Time? Central Time. If I lived on the East Coast... I couldn't watch the games, you know? I mean, 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night is... Now, I mean, if you want to start 8 o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday, sure. I'm all for that. But but Monday through Thursday 
or, or really Sunday through Thursday. Why why are we kicking off or tipping off these games past eight o'clock Central Time after nine o'clock Eastern? That's just crazy. Yeah, they had one seven o'clock tip off on a Sunday. And it was on a Sunday. Yeah, and it was like the second game of the series. They need to do at least make it seven. I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, I get it. You want it in prime time. Last I checked, prime time begins eight Eastern, seven Central. Yeah, eight Central is bedtime for a lot of people. And maybe they're trying to get West Coast viewers because Phoenix. I, I, I'm sure there's a reason for it, but selfishly, these. These games that don't end until at the earliest, at the earliest, 10.30. And usually it's more like 10.45. You know, and if there's crunch um, time at the end of it, and teams are calling timeouts, oh, it's going to be even later than that. Right. Anyway, we'll move on to our next topic, which I know you're not a very big, I don't want to say not a very big fan, but it's not your expertise. Thank you. The... <laughs> NHL expansion draft will be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Central Time versus hey, 8 o'clock Central Time. A normal start time for an event. Um, if you're not hockey fans, bear with me for a couple minutes. Uh, this will be the Seattle Kra- Kraken's expansion draft. It will be Wednesday. And simple, <laughs> And simple as how this draft works, they're going to get the p- player from every single team. Teams can protect seven forwards, three defensive players, and a goalie, or they can choose eight skaters and a goaltender. I don't understand why that is even a choice. It is not a very wise choice because you lose essentially three extra players to be unprotected. So why this is even a choice, I don't know if the NHL is just trying to test teams to see how smart they are or what the deal with that is. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. Um, but it should be exciting. Expansion drafts in the NHL always are. Las Vegas had theirs in 2017, I believe it was. and Yeah, because 2018 was their first season. Yeah, And everybody saw us what they... It, Vegas was incredible their first year, and they've still been a good team since then. They still have been a team that is a top-level team. They had a Vezina Award winner this year in Marc-Andre Fleury. He used to play for Pittsburgh and everything, but they got him from the expansion draft. And Vegas has been a dominant team in their first, was it, four years in the NHL? Yeah, a contender every year. If you think about it, wouldn't that be the same case for the Kraken? You would think so, yeah. And it, and I wonder if long-term if the NHL tries to find a more happy medium, you know, because I get it. You don't want the new franchise, not a, not a team moving, an actual brand-new franchise. You don't want the new team being being so intentionally handicapped or playing with one hand behind their back that it takes them years to become competitive, like we've seen you know, during my lifetime with true expansion teams in the NFL and uh, MLB and even NBA to a certain extent. But but usually it's, you know, NFL and, and MLB with, with the large rosters where it takes them a long time to become competitive. This way, the NHL is giving them an opportunity where if they're very smart in their expansion draft picks, they can be competitive at least from day one. But on the other side of the coin, you know, do you want your expansion team being 
one of the five best teams in the league in year one. That seems like you've intentionally handicapped all the other franchises who'd already, most of them at least, have already proven to be competitive. So I'm always interested to, to see how this thing plays out, you know, a couple of years down the road. And you and I were talking about this before we came on air, but we all, I find it interesting on how they do the protection for the players because in hockey, you have lines. You cannot play an entire 60-minute hockey game. You will not be able to walk afterwards. They run shifts, so you have lines for those players. Your top three forwards are usually going to be on the first line. If you protect seven forwards, that's your third line. You're going to lose your second and third best player on that line. So, essentially, the expansion team is going to have a stacked third and fourth and fifth line team at certain points. And they're going to make other teams' lower level lines look silly. And I essentially, that's what makes an expansion team so good, and then they're going to get a good goaltender because there are some teams that have great, they have two really good goaltenders, and they can't protect both of them. So it's almost like, to put it in football terms, it it would be akin to an NFL expansion team given its pick of the other team's offensive and defensive linemen so they could build a team competitive at the line of scrimmage. They, they won't have the same star power at quarterback or wide receiver, but they'll have good offensive linemen, good deep defensive lines, therefore making them competitive with most teams on most days. Is that, is that a pretty good analogy? Essentially, yes. Okay. That I, that's, I don't know how you came up with that because my mind would never come up with that. But yes, that is a very good way to describe it in non-hockey terms because a lot of people don't watch it. But yes. I, the expansion team probably won't have household names or all-stars, but it'll have depth to it that'll make it competitive day one. The only chance that they have all-star names are a goaltender, that a team has two stat goaltenders, and they will ha- probably have one very big name in Vladimir Tarasenko as the Blues. An aging I, veteran. Yeah, they probably won't. Vladimir Tarasenko already requested a trade, so oh. they're not gonna. He's not gonna be protected to begin right. with, or excuse me, he isn't protected. They have already released the players who are protected and not protected. So, if I was Seattle, if I were Seattle, I, I would take him from the Blues. I mean, he is an incredible player that's had a battle of injuries, but he's still a very good player. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Good to see Wednesday it, night. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I cut you off there by by accident. Good to see the NHL expanding to the Pacific Northwest. There's already a built-in rivalry there with uh, Vancouver. So once that team starts, they'll have a a, a natural geographic rival with uh, the Canucks. You would think. I, I I've already had heard talk about it, so I think you're on the right path. But we'll jump into we'll jump into the MLB. The trade deadline's coming up around the corner. It's four days. It's Friday. I don't 
I'm not into a lot of MLB, but I know the coolest things that I ever watch during trade deadlines is ESPN when they have all the insiders and they're all talking and putting in trades like that and everybody's going crazy. I think it's the coolest thing. It is pretty cool. And I don't don't understand it, (laughs) but I I do enjoy watching it. Uh, I don't know of any big names, though, that are going to be moved this week. Uh, there's always those some pieces. You're going to figure out pretty quick, though, who are the teams trying to jockey to be in position for we're going all in on winning it this year versus the teams that are content to say we're not going to risk it all to win this year because we because we think we have a good thing going here for the next couple of years. And then you and then, you know and then you also figure out who are the teams who are saying forget this this year sucked. We're getting rid of who we're going to get rid of, uh, rid of rather, uh, get some return on our investment and uh, and try to rebuild starting next year. It's always fun to watch, so I suggest if you have time during that day to watch it. But I, like you said, I, I don't know if any big players getting traded either. I mean, maybe something will come along on Friday where there's a multi-team deal and all that crazy jazz happens. Yeah, that's but... where things get, that's where things get nuts yeah speaking of trade talks though we'll jump back to the nba there's a lot of talk about the 76ers trying to get damian lillard for ben simmons why 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 would the trailblazers do that that that's the question yes it makes perfect sense for the sixers so the question is what are the sixers going to also offer along with ben simmons because who in their right mind would just straight give you Dame Lillard for Ben Simmons? If I'm any team in the league, I don't want Ben Simmons. I, no disrespect to him, but... I, I wouldn't give my best player no, for Ben Simmons. I, if, I mean... If I can get Ben Simmons at a discount, sure, why not? Yeah, but... I, Damian Lillard is way too valuable I agree. for the 76, 76ers. Excuse me, And I know... There's been some rumors Dame has requested for a trade. He's also came out and said that he hasn't asked for a trade and he won't ask for a trade. What's all true, I don't know. But if I'm Portland and I'm looking to trade him, you've got to get some big player for him. I've yeah. I, I've even heard of Anthony Davis and Damon, Damian Lillard being st- switched, which I, I don't know how hmm. I feel about it hmm. because... I don't know if Damian Lillard and LeBron would match well together. That's my biggest concern with that for the Lakers. LeBron's, I I know LeBron's a team player. Well, and we saw what happened with the Lakers this year when Anthony Davis went down. I mean, they were, and and granted, they had other issues just (laughs) above and beyond just AD. But but yeah, I mean, when Davis went down, they were a shell of, of themselves. So very interesting. I don't know how, I, mean, I think the Sixers are going to do whatever they can to move Simmons, but they're only going to accept in return a superstar in its place. Well, who, so who, who do they have to send along with them? Yeah, that's yeah. Good. question. You're not giving up Embiid. No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> so who do you give up? It's a great question. Meh. I don't, I mean, <laughs> which is why I still think we're going to see Ben Simmons back in Philadelphia. I mean, if you, year. I think the fair trade for Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons only, and I still think 
the Trailblazers would be getting gypped is C.J. McCollum. And I still think yeah. that's a loss for the Trailblazers. And I don't think Dame and Ben Simmons could play together. So, we're going to talk a little more basketball just very quickly, real quick. We have to. On the USA basketball team. Because here come the Olympics. The Olympics will be here in Let a matter this, of yeah, yeah and this week. So, Bradley Beal will not be there. Kevin Love will not be there. Uh, Keldon Johnson replaced him along with, oh, I do not remember who the other person was. But I, you and I talked about it. Bradley Beal is essential, and he is an incredible player, and I yeah. think that is really going to hurt this Team USA team. I, I understand that Keldon Johnson plays for Greg Popovich at the Spurs, but it's going to be interesting. Pop has his work cut out for him with he this does. team. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, they. it's been a long... I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time, and, and I still think Team USA... Can can win it all, but uh, they gotta fix some things pretty quick. They do. Anyway, we've got a couple seconds left, so we will talk to you again Wednesday. Alongside me, I can't.